Care Out Loud with Kai, Elena, and Mia. Today we'll be discussing the lack of sex education in American school districts across the country and how this then affects our perceptions of sex and sexuality. We'll just start back, back way back when. So World War I, um, there was an increase in STIs um, due to the soldiers and the shifts that were happening um, back and forth due to the war, of course. Um, and this created a cultural shift due to the threat of public health and society's like morality, um, which then led to shame-based education and xenophobia. So the soldiers had taken all of these STIs back to America um, and there was tons of propaganda surrounding um, women and demonizing women, um, both in America, but then also abroad. So a lot of sex education was only for high school age boys who were the population that were likely to be entering into the military. So this there was then a lack of information that was provided, but it also wasn't provided to all people. Um, and it was inaccurate in terms of just sexual health in general, but also treatment and prevention of STIs. Yeah, that's crazy to think about how much has changed and like arguably improved but we're still still in that same like mindset mindset that we're you know there there's sex is dirty and all of that shame associated with it and i also feel like it's still very much like geared towards men especially with sex like I feel like with sex education with women, it's always about, like, your period and, like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to make sure you don't get pregnant? But then with men, it's like, all right, let's talk about pleasure and stuff. And I feel like there isn't really a pleasure-based type of education for women, and it's still like that today, and it was definitely like that back then. Right. And then it's still on the binary also, though. Like, we're still thinking about it along those lines, I feel like, in a lot of of programs, just in general, but then especially for younger people – it's just either separated through gender. So, like, you learn this if you're a girl and you learn this if you're a boy, which is problematic, of course, but that same mentality is continued today. Yeah, and I remember, like, when I was in elementary school, like, fourth grade, when they're teaching you all about, like, your period and all this stuff. Like, yeah, like, they split you into the right. two rooms. Yeah. And we didn't learn anything about, like, men's sexual health, and they didn't learn anything about women's sexual health. And then also, what about people who are, like, non-binary, like what mm-hmm. you were saying? Right. Like, like where do they go? Were yeah. they just forced to try and fit into a box that didn't fit them? They were. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I definitely want to keep talking about what sex education looks like for, um, you know, present schools right now. And the Center for American Progress analyzed state laws in the 24 states and District of Columbia that mandate sex education, because not all states do, um, that mandate sex education in public schools, and they found that few states actually address topics of consent and healthy relationships in sex education, which is arguably one of the fundamentals of sex education. So it's really, I think, frustrating sometimes to see that there is no university to all of this like it's varied so much state by state which really affects you know the education that different individuals are getting right it's inconsistent which is another issue like you just mentioned I think it's really hard to provide the same education across the board but also there aren't the resources and different states have different laws which make it even harder for even educators or even school districts individually who want to educate these kids but can't because of regulations or lack of access or lack of funding, etc. I know a lot of school districts don't even have sex ed programs yeah. at all, yeah. <laughs> which is insane. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no. It kind of feels like the federal government, like, dropped the ball majorly. <laughs> like, I understand that we have this, like, whole government where we want to give them power to the states and right. have the federal government hold back a little bit. But this really feels like something that, like, really should be widespread. Mm-hmm. That everyone should be getting the same sex education. Right. And it should be very, like, diverse in what you teach. Right. Yes. <laughs> Comprehensive. Comprehensive. I think it's also hard, though, just with different ideologies and different... It, everything gets political at the end of the day. And it's no longer about health and well-being of young people at all. Like It's, it's more about the political side of things and, and what's right and what's expected culturally and, and just in general. Yeah, I think that contributes to why there are so many abstinence-only programs, too, because there's this... One, stigma, and two, just (laughs) two stigma. (laughs) Stigma is a major part of it, but like you said, like the politicality of everything, it's frustrating because, you know, take Nevada, for example. Um, They have some of the highest teen pregnancy and birth rates, and part of their um, sexual education programs for that particular state... um, don't even, you know, present barrier methods or teach kids about condoms and contraception because there's that whole idea that, oh, if we expose people to, you know, sexual topics, it's going to make them more rowdy or they're going to be more inclined to, you know, fall into these behaviors. But that's just not the case. Right, because then we're just not giving them the tools that they need to do that in safe environments and making sure that they're respecting their sexual partners or even just platonic relationships as well, like to be mindful of of all relationships and how we can, you know, be respectful of everyone's boundaries, but then along with sex and how to have that in healthy environments um, and in safe spaces and creating these conversations where they can talk about sex and STIs and testing and resources and safer sex supplies and all of the things that is necessary essentially to having safe and healthy sex lives. Yeah. And, at the end of the day, kids are always going to have sex. Right. Not kids, but you know, yeah. teenagers are always going to have sex, and it isn't. It just matters like what environment they're in. Right. It doesn't matter. Like nothing's really going to keep teenagers from having sex. It's just a part of life. It's natural. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be treating like it's not natural. Right. Um, and of course, there are people who are asexual and have different identities, and maybe that's just not something that you want to do and that's also natural but there's always going to be people that want to have sex and are going to have sex and you should make sure that the sex that they're having is healthy and safe absolutely yeah and respectful of other people i think that's another thing that we again don't talk about a lot is Mm -hmm. consent and including that in with any form of sex education whether it's comprehensive or not yeah i remember at my high school um Really, they did talk about consent in my high school. I'm not going to lie. Like, I went to a fairly progressive school, so mm-hmm. I do feel like I had a better sex education than most. But, like, it was weird because they had us watch this video about, like, tea. And it was like, don't take your friend's tea without permission or without asking or, like, something like that. And it was like, we're all high schoolers. We're all, like, 16, 17, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say it in blatant terms you can say it how it actually is like 
you need to actually like ask for consent in sexual and almost all right. other aspects of your life. Yeah. You don't have to make it about like something else. Tea. <laughs> and it's like, yes, it was kind of funny. Right. But I feel like it took away from like maybe like the gravity of the situation. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right. And I think it it doesn't have to be like some whole concept that's like hidden, has secret meanings. Like we should be able to talk about it because it's important. And I think that 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 lack of, I mean, communication there and just like the misinformation or the way it's presented is an issue, too, because it's not clear. And what if kids have questions? Because I'm sure they do. And that continues to create issues with consent. And it can be very um ambiguous (laughs) a consent really can be Mm -hmm. and you know physical consent and just like body reactions versus like vocal reactions like there's a lot that goes into consent it's not always super crystal clear like they make it seem like with tea (laughs) or something else like it it isn't like a physical object that you're borrowing or taking from someone It, it 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 just isn't as simple as that yeah it was very weird. Like, they just, like, popped up this little video and just had us watch it. And we, I, I don't know. I was just like, what is going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's super interesting, too, because the, these decisions are often left up to, like, the school districts. And who's in charge of the school, they kind of get to mandate right. what they're teaching. Um, so it's interesting because the CDC... Um, recommends 16 topics that are talked about so like the cdc recommends that you know sexual education be this comprehensive thing but um the gap between sexual education should students should receive versus what they actually receive is huge so like we've been talking about um i just think that fewer teenagers are just being exposed to this range of sexual education topics so um like, birth, think about birth control, even. Yeah. Um, and that's a very, you know, popular topic for um, students or people just in the age group, like, in high school. And, like, right when, you know, you're, a lot of individuals are in the process of starting that sexual exploration. Right. Um, and it's just, these me- these methods aren't talked about at all, like... Because birth control is also looked at as something that can promote sex, right? right. So it's it's just bothersome to me personally because I feel like students are like their basic human needs are neglected in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so hard too because every person has so many different needs, and I feel like when they cover birth control, it's so simple or mm-hmm. just straightforward, which is not the case. Like there are so many different types of contraception out there that have all these different rules, methods, um, just differences completely. Like there's like shots that you go in Mm -hmm. every month or every couple of months versus like implants and IUDs and pills and all of those things are so different and they don't discuss any of those differences or how they can, you know, be better for some and what works for people. Like they don't, they don't discuss that with anyone. Mm -hmm. And then I think that also creates an issue with accessibility. Yeah. Um, in terms of medical professionals and, you know, having the ability to have birth control and to be able to talk to doctors and to be able to have some autonomy in those situations, which is already a hard thing to do um, as a teenager, um, especially in a setting like a hospital or a clinic. Yeah. um, To tie it back into another personal uh, 
<laughs> example. <laughs> I have this one of my relatives actually when she she went to like a professional doctor to get birth control and they only told her about the IUD and they didn't give her like any other options um I think maybe they told her about the pill but that was it and they were like okay so we're just gonna like do the IUD like that's just (laughs) what we're gonna do and I feel like in school you can maybe that's like a really great time where you can really let a kid know you have a lot of options Mm -hmm. like I feel like your school should always empower you Mm -hmm. to knowledge and to like know about yourself and about others and like especially with my relative like she she did not have a very good time with IUD and they she ended up going to a different doctor and then she found out about like all these mm-hmm. other options yeah. and she was like okay and she had a really great experience with a different with the Nuva ring and it was just weird because this doctor just was like okay well this is what everyone else does so like I feel like we should do it and they didn't even yeah. really tell her that much and your school can maybe even fill that gap and like help you yeah. and make you feel like okay I know right. what is best for me and my body but in this case like I just felt like the health education in our school really failed her um and it was just very disappointing she shouldn't have had to like struggle to like find it she should have just been given the tools right yeah absolutely While we're on the topic of accessibility, I think it's really important to look at how politics play a role in this. So um, a lot of people don't know that the Trump administration tried to cut funding for evidence-based comprehensive sex education programs, which are in fact proven to increase safer sex and help uh, young individuals just prevent unintended pregnancy, etc., And these programs were, um, this funding was refocused to be given to abstinence-only programs that are proven to be not as effective. So let's let's talk about that. What is the harm in abstinence-based education? Abstinence-only. I think kind of going back to what we were discussing before, like we're we're depriving all of these young people of tools that they Mm -hmm. need to have healthy, consensual, safe, pleasurable also sex lives. Um, and abstinence only education, you know, doesn't allow them to have those tools. And it essentially just makes it a topic that's already less talked about in general, but then, you know, kind of increases that stigma around the topic. So, you know, kids aren't allowed to talk about it. They feel like they're not allowed to talk about it. They don't have any, you know, resources that are accurate and factual. And it's already a hard topic to talk about outside of that and just in society. Yeah, going along with that, like, definitely, I feel like it creates this environment of fear and, like, there's something wrong with me if I do this, Mm -hmm. and so I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm going (laughs) to do it, and then that just makes it more likely that something bad is going to happen. Um, And then along with that, fear and, like, fear tactics... It kind of creates this, like, shame-based education, Mm -hmm. this shame... I don't know, like, you feel like you're dirty. You feel like there's something wrong with you. And no one should feel that way about just, like, doing something natural, doing something that's fun, doing something that's pleasurable, that's totally, like, as long as it's respectful and you're happy and your partner's happy, like, you shouldn't be ashamed and you shouldn't, like, connect sex with shame. Like, that just feels very unhealthy. Yeah, which happens (laughs) in a lot of abstinence-only programs or shame-based programs because of that shame that's there, like... They're too scared to talk about it. So that, again, impacts their resources because they're not going to go out and talk about it. They're not going to go out and 
you know, ask their parents, let alone like their teachers or any other resources that they potentially have, because there's so much shame around it, which increases the stigma, of course, too. So I think it's all, it kind of all comes back together, but it's just, there's so many negative aspects of of abstinence-only education and shame-based education as well. It kind of makes you feel like if you do have sex, then you're like a failure almost. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like abstinence only like save yourself for marriage like if you don't save yourself for marriage you're a dirty individual right Mm -hmm. and that's just such a i don't even know that's just such a terrible way to think about things yeah make people think about things from such a young age i think people also have this weird implication that if you have sex premaritally premarital sex (laughs) if we have um yeah there's this implication that people who have premarital sex don't have self-control which is another interesting mentality because it's pleasure and exploration and all of this is so natural like we've been stressing how normal this is and i think like Even, like, I I think there's this shock factor that goes into it as well. A lot of times people are just, like, shocked by how, you know, sex is becoming more openly talked about, I guess. And that's interesting, too. Like, for example, like, at the org fair, like, how many people were just, like, shocked to see a dildo? Like, that's really interesting because, again, these things... There needs to be more exposure, period. Yeah, absolutely. Even like, yeah, we're on a college campus and we hand out safer sex supplies for free to students. Yeah. And it seems like the place to do that. Like we're on a college campus. Of course, a lot of these people are going to be using safer sex supplies and they're surprised that it's offered. Mm-hmm. So many people, especially international students, they're just surprised when they come here that some person on the street on campus is going to offer me free safer sex supplies and be willing to talk about that and willing to educate us on that. And I think that that's kind of crazy that even here in college, like we're all 18, 20 years old and we're still shocked that we have these resources on campus and that that information is available and these resources are here and that they're free um, on our campus. I think that's insane that the shock factor is still there because of how open we are and how many resources we we give out to students. Yeah. I feel like that definitely, obviously, this ties back to what we've been talking about, but, like, America as a whole, even though we don't have, like, a technical national religion, is a very Protestant nation. (laughs) Yes. Um, And a lot of our values as a country that we like to impose on everyone is very much, like, protestantism (laughs) and it creates a taboo of sex and a like almost like a comparison of sex is the devil kind of like literally like if you have sex you are a devilish like sinner almost and especially before marriage and even during marriage like it's it feels like they only want you to have sex to fulfill a purpose like they only creation yes simply yes sex (laughs) is only to make kids and if you're not having sex for kids, then why are you having sex? <laughs> like, I think that leaves out the whole pleasure aspect. Like, sex yes. is fun. Sex is pleasurable. And that's a whole nother topic. Like, sure, a sex education can be comprehensive. But then they leave out the pleasure aspect. 
most people, a lot of people, especially younger folks, are having sex because it's fun, because yeah. they want to feel good. And giving them the tools to, to, to have pleasurable sex that's safe is also, I think, really crucial. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do something because right. it gives you pleasure. Yeah. Because Period. it makes you happy. <laughs> Simply, I mean, it should, it should be that simple. I think um, on that topic of, you know, maybe like Catholic schools versus public school education, I think it's really interesting. I was reading up on this and I had realized that a lot of Catholic schools utilize this kind of mantra on called MITIOG, which is made in the image of God, as um, a substitute for secular sex education. And this is kind of what they... Um, a lot of Catholic schools instill in order to promote um, that premar- again, premarital sex is wrong, um, that, you know, sex should be between a man and a woman. Right. Um, and I think just leaving sexually active young adults who have little perspective on the potential consequences of unsafe sex and just everything that they could be missing out on as well from this lack of education just is ignorant for them to think that, especially for um, those not identifying as a man or a woman or non-binary folk or, um, you know, everyone who, everyone has an identity and everyone, this doesn't necessarily appeal to all identities whatsoever. So... I just thought it was really interesting to kind of look at that contrast between some Catholic schools and um, the public school system. Because definitely, like, the public school system has a lot of flaws and not even all, like what we were saying, not even all public schools have to teach sex education. I think it was only, like, 29 states actually have a law in place for it. There's 50 states. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like even, and then, yeah, like digging even deeper, like all these other Catholic schools that aren't even under like the same laws that Mm -hmm, public schools are under. Or funding. Yeah, or funding, like, and then it just creates this whole other problem. (laughs) And then even, I feel like even if we did start to create more, like if the federal government did impose like all statewide sex education there's always going to be pushback and especially yeah. with like the catholic schools if of they course. were forcing catholic schools to do certain sex education things right. mm-hmm. i feel like parents <laughs> would definitely yeah. push back yeah um so that's always a very tough thing to think about um right. and i feel like that might be inhibiting people from pushing for that a little bit like, yeah. because they know that, like, these parents are probably going to yeah. be very against it. And there are so many working parts, though, because it's, like, parents and then the kids. And it's, like, educators and school districts and states and the whole nation as a whole. And then funding and where those resources are coming from. There's so many working parts that it's such a hard issue to tackle. It's a hot mess. That's what it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that leaves me to question, you know, where where do we go from here? What are What are we looking to do for moving towards a more comprehensive sex education kind of around the sphere um california new jersey and oregon have 
kind of served as a model example of teaching healthy relationships as a part of sex education. Mm -hmm. Um, They all require educators to use materials that are medically accurate, include instruction related to healthy relationships or consent. Like, it just feels like these states are really kind of stepping up. Um, For example, like, In California, the California Healthy Youth Act um, was enacted in 2016 and requires instruction on adolescent growth and development, body image, gender, sexual orientation, relationships, marriage, and family, um, as well as how to have, like, healthy, positive, and safe relationships and behaviors. And this is all, like, the type of stuff that we are talking about, like, what really needs to be implemented. So I feel like it's definitely a great step in the right direction with California and New Jersey and Oregon, but it definitely needs to start being more widespread. It needs to grow. It needs to go to all 50 states. Um, everyone deserves to have this type of education. Everyone deserves to feel seen and to feel like they know about their body and to actually be able to be empowered to have safe sex. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. I feel like without that formal and comprehensive sex education that includes all the information that we've been talking about. I think states are missing just a prime opportunity to encourage young people with quality information and facts um, (laughs) just to help them make self um, safe and healthy choices. Um, Even talking about sexual assault and dating violence is really important for these topics to be discussed as well. So I definitely think state and local policymakers should just modernize and rethink the way in which sex education runs. Right. And how it's formatted. And again, accessibility is another mm-hmm. issue. Just mm-hmm. making sure that every kid has has that information because they have the right. It's literally about themselves, their body. And I think every kid deserves to know how to have healthy relationships, how to have healthy sex how to do everything that they want to do to have healthy relationships and have those resources and tools available for them. Absolutely. And to create a consent culture on campus and the world. We love consent culture. (laughs) We love that. Yeah, I feel like we've definitely heard um, rape culture quite a lot. I'm kind of sick of hearing it. I wish it was not a thing, but here we are. Yeah, especially on our campus. Yeah, <laughs> especially <laughs> deconstruct yeah. that shit. We Honestly, need to. We really do. Yeah, I think that was a really productive and great conversation. I learned a lot too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just researching for this, I was very shocked by a lot mm-hmm. of the information. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but I mean, I think we mm-hmm. have a goal, and we have you know this opportunity to increase awareness and to continue to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you all for listening. Um, in this episode, we talked about the ins and outs of sex education in America. And although this is not a comprehensive dive into what this topic can fully encompass, we hope that introducing this conversation will encourage you to keep talking about these issues in your own spaces. Thank you.